Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm your host, Audrea Greenhoff, and in this podcast, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's most innovative food brands to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Food Stories podcast. I am your host, Audrea Greenhoff, and thank you so much for joining me on what will be the last episode of the podcast, at least for a while. Um, if you've been following along, you know that I became a mom for the first time this summer, um, and needless to say, having a baby during a pandemic, especially your first one has been challenging and life is hectic. So I'm taking some time off to focus on my family and also to really take a look at the podcast and decide what direction I want to go in the future. So hopefully this will not be a permanent goodbye. I hope to be back in 2021 with new episodes. But I had one interview um, in the vault from this summer that I wanted to share with you guys. Celebrity chef Stephanie Harris Uyidi, also known as the Posh Pescatarian. She is a sustainable seafood enthusiast with a passion for spreading the word about the benefits of eating a plant-based diet supplemented with fish and seafood. Uh, Her unique style of cooking demonstrates how easy it could be to make simple yet adventurous seafood dishes. So if you love to cook, you love to spend time in the kitchen, and I know a lot of us are during our time at home, uh, you're going to love this episode. So without further ado, here is my interview with Chef Stephanie. For anyone who is not familiar with your platform, why don't you tell us who you are and what your platform, The Posh Pescatarian, is all about? Yeah, so I am Stephanie Harris Uidi. I am a TV host of a show called Appetite for Adventure and uh, the author of a couple of cookbooks. Um, my platform is all about eating sustainably harvested seafood and in the most creative ways possible. I used to be a really, really into clean eating and health and fitness. And I sort of backed off on that because I realized that as people enjoyed seafood, they also enjoyed a little bit of fat with their seafood. So now I've got a little bit of a, more of a balanced approach to, to seafood uh, based on my audience's desires. Absolutely. You have a beautiful um, website and a fantastic YouTube channel. I was checking out some of your videos. So what would you say are some of the quintessential pescatarian ingredients that you work with and that you recommend to anyone who's interested in kind of exploring this space? Yeah, so anyone interested in exploring the, the space of the pescatarian diet, there are a couple things you should know that, you know, pescatarians eat a plant-based diet supplemented with seafood. So one of the questions that I get often is, you know, do you eat seafood every day at every meal? Like, what's the ratio? And the ratio is basically two times a week, uh, if I'm honest. And that is, those are guidelines set forth by several government agencies. Uh, eating seafood twice a week is greatly beneficial to expected moms, uh, the elderly, people looking to get an overall benefit from omega-3 fatty acids. So pescatarians eat a plant-based diet supplemented with seafood. 
So anyone interested in getting started should uh, sort of start weaning themselves slowly off of meat and including seafood into their diet a few times a week. Wonderful. That's awesome. And what are some of the, um, your favorite seafood ingredients when you do incorporate that? What are some of the ones you like to um, cook with and explore? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I love things that are seasonal, uh, but I know that's, you know, seasonal isn't always possible with seafood. Right now we've got a really fantastic uh, Alaska, wild Alaskan seafood run with Copper River salmon. And if you haven't had a chance to have Copper River salmon this season, I would advise you to go out and, and buy your share. Uh, outside of that, you know, I would encourage people to, to really explore tinned and canned seafood. So tins are the small ones, cans are the big ones. And I enjoy those uh, quite often in the form of mussels and oysters, sardines. Most of us eat canned salmon at some point, canned tuna at some point. I think those are really great starting points for people, uh, particularly who are getting their feet wet into the seafood world. And I love that you said that because that sort of segued into my next question. So me personally, I live in Miami. I have access to amazing fish and seafood here all year round. But um, would that be the advice to anyone who's sort of landlocked, who doesn't really have access to fresh fish? What is your advice for kind of navigating that? Yeah, that's also a really great question. So there are some really fantastic frozen seafood products out there by really great companies. And to be honest, sometimes you're going to find fish that's in the frozen section to be a lot fresher than what's in that seafood counter. Because unless you're asking the right kinds of questions, you're going to get fish behind that seafood counter that's been there three or four days. And you're better off going to the frozen section and buying a package of fish that was frozen right off the boat and ready for you to, to start cooking with. Do you find that sometimes people are um, intimidated by seafood and fish more than they are other, other protein sources? Yeah, I do. And that's one of the, one of my favorite ways of, of, of expressing to people uh, on how to cook seafood is to think about their favorite sort of traditional protein, either beef, steak, or pork recipe, and, and swapping that out for seafood. Uh, that way they become a lot less intimidated by it. So if they're, if they're using, you know, if they're using, eating steak fajitas, let's throw in a little bit of shark, let's throw in a little bit of Pollock and, and swap out that, that those steak fajitas. You know, same thing with chicken burritos or uh, I'm I'm sorry, I like Mexican food. I'm from California, so that's kind of what's on my in my head. But you know, um, instead of putting a steak on the grill, go ahead and put on some swordfish steaks. You know, just easing into the process and choosing cuts of fish that are more similar to meat that will make people a lot more, more comfortable. I love that. And let's explore the plants, the, the plant side of that. So I know a lot of um, people are eating more plant-based, but I find that sometimes, you know, people often still think of plant-based being just salads or, you know, boring vegetables. What are some of your tips for getting a little bit more creative with plant-based meals? Oh boy, I want people to get, and I have a whole section of this in the new book, I want people to start eating legumes. And legumes, these are beans, these are lentils, these are really fantastic sources of protein and iron and really, really delicious. I'm a big fan of black beans, you know, red beans, white beans. I, I, you know, I do lots of posts about these just to try and encourage people 
that, you know, beans are our friends. They are fantastic. I know a lot of people think that they're the musical fruit, but there are ways to avoid that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, legumes are wonderful and they are enjoyed all over the globe. And, and there's some really great ways to, you know, have legumes with a little bit of fish and um, make a really fantastic meal. My family is actually Cuban, so I grew up eating black beans. Like we eat blank black beans with pretty much everything, and they really yeah. do complement pretty much everything. You know, whether it's vegetables or rice or anything like that. Yeah, you know, the other thing is, I you know, I want people to start becoming more exploratory with, with other things that they're eating. You know, there's plantain, there's cassava, there are all these things that you know you see in that exotic section of the grocery store that no one really explores. You know, I want people to go in and start playing with that stuff, star fruit, um, dragon fruit, those kinds of things, and just having more fun in the kitchen. So you have an interesting journey into uh, the pescatarian lifestyle. I understand it started with um, some personal health problems. Tell us about how you became really passionate about this space. Yeah, um, several years ago, I, I think I stopped counting, but more than 16, 17, 18 years ago, I uh, was having some health issues and I went on a cleanse under the guidance of my naturopath. And uh, we slowly started bringing things back into my diet. It was a broth-based diet and we slowly started bringing things back into my diet. And once we did that, we discovered that a, a plant-based diet supplemented with seafood was really where my body felt great and where I wasn't having any more of those health concerns. Mm -hmm. Once that took off, I had to figure out, okay, now what does this lifestyle look like? You know, I can say plant-based diet supplemented with seafood. What does that look like for breakfast? What does it look like for lunch? How do I make this work? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I had this, I had, I started exploring that space and uh, I had to figure it out. And as I started exploring, I had people asking me about my lifestyle and asking for tips and recipes. And I thought, oh, this is fun. Um, you know, and it wasn't a lot of hard work because I come, I, you know, I, I come from a family of farmers and anglers and all of my family, they all have gardens and we're sort of big country folk, so to speak. So it wasn't too far-fetched, but I had fun really kind of exploring the, the seafood space. Um, and so that just sort of snowballed. And pretty soon I, uh, this is, I, mean, I, I could actually say a decade ago that I started a YouTube channel. Uh, and then that sort of, uh, de I developed this sort of, uh, this separate platform, right, for books and speaking engagements and TV appearances and that sort of thing, just to help sort of spread the word about the pescatarian uh, lifestyle. Um, like I said, I checked out some of your videos. I love uh, just your personality and how you are on camera. You're also, you know, a cookbook author. And you have a second edition of your cookbook, The Posh Pescatarian, uh, scheduled to be, re be released soon, correct? That's right. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah. So tell us about what people can expect in that cookbook. And I'd love to know a little bit about the process of actually writing a cookbook. Like, how do you come up with the recipe ideas? So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've got a second cookbook. Uh, it was originally supposed to be a second edition of the first cookbook. So your information is correct. We slightly adjusted the theme of the book. It is now uh, probably 175 coastally inspired recipes from around the world, including Cuba. So you're going to be excited oh, about that. <laughs> yeah. 
So as you know, I, I told you that I've got a TV show and the book is really focused on the recipes and ingredients and the gastronomy of the places that I had a chance to visit uh, during my travels. So we have covered Europe. Uh, we've, you know, we've got Portugal and Spain and parts of the U.S. And these recipes are really inspired by the, the people that I met, the recipes that I had an opportunity to create and the friendships that I was able to establish, uh, which enabled me to get more information about some really fantastic recipes. So we've got recipes, you know, going all the way from the U.S. to Russia to Norway. I mean, really, really fun bunch of, of, of recipes. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a labor of love for sure. Uh, and you asked me about the process, you know, every recipe that you put in a book, you want to make sure works really well for anyone between, you know, from a novice cook to the most experienced cook. That means lots and lots of recipe testing. So I do most of my recipes here at home in my space that I call my lab. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like a lab. I've got lots of stuff like fermenting and pickling and like drying and um, it's a lot of fun, but it's 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 a lot of it's a lot of work in between the other things that I'm doing. So, uh, and in addition to like food photography, right? So there's so much that goes into a book, and there's a team behind me, small team, uh, who helps keep me focused and make sure that I'm I'm sort of on the right path. Uh, but writing a cookbook, uh, a lot of people think that it's just a matter of typing out recipes and um, just sending them out into the universe. And, and it's, there's a little bit more involved uh, than that. Yeah, because like you mentioned, it's telling a story. I love the idea that you were inspired by your travels and the different people that you met along the way, and you're sharing those stories within the recipes. I think food is such a connector of people. And I think, at least for me personally, that's one of my favorite parts about traveling is I pretty much travel to eat so that I can try, you know, different <laughs> restaurants and, and different scenes yeah. of the areas because I think that's really how you learn about the culture. And I think especially a time like now, I think it's such an important thing to to be curious about other cultures and food is the best way to do that, I think. I think, and because we can't travel, food is like this ultimate vacation. So if you want to yeah. go to... Spain and you can't then you know you can always order a package from Spain and, and make your favorite sort of you know I hate to use the quintessential paella but you can make anything from any part of the world and actually get some really good cooking tips from people virtually it's just whole new world it's making me hungry already <laughs> <laughs> speaking of like weird stuff so or, or just international I just got a package yesterday from Louisiana that had all of these really fun things. Louisiana was a, a, a place that I visited in season two of my show. I spent probably two weeks there with chefs and cooks and going to markets and doing all of these fun things, visiting a few former plantations that have now turned into these remarkable bed and breakfasts and turned some really sort of dark days into something really beautiful. But uh, I, I wanted to go back this year, can't because of all the travel restrictions and, and just health reasons, but I had a wonderful package arrive yesterday that had some of the funkiest things that I wanted to try. And one of those things was alligator meat. And oh. you're in Miami, yeah. Florida, right? So it's like this, it's really fun to be able to get things from other parts of the, uh, you know, I'll say country, but the world 
and experience them and play with them. Um, and it's just, it's just really fun. I love it. Yeah. Have you tried the alligator meat yet or? Not yet. It's defrosting. Uh, I'll probably try it tomorrow. I promised myself I'd get a few more pages in my book done this evening and then I can play. So that's the balance, by the way. You asked me about cookbook writing. There's this thing where you have to like uh, balance the, the desire to go in the kitchen and start playing with things versus actually sitting down and writing the recipes and submitting them to the editor for, for notes. <laughs> so I'm resisting. It's a treat. Definitely. Well, I'd love to know what you think about it. I've had it a few times um, in different uh, ways. I've had it in tacos and hmm. some kind of like fried type of alligator, sort of like tots, I guess, is what close yeah. think of. Like bites or, bites or something. Yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, there are a few different places around where I live that serve them. So I'd love to to see and hear what you think. So hopefully you'll be posting about that. I will. I will for sure. Next week. I, I, I Yes, absolutely. Uh, you talked about your show. You talked about um, starting off on YouTube before that, which I love. I love that um, you started off on social media and it actually grew to such a bigger platform. A lot of people who listen to the show uh, are food entrepreneurs, but a lot of them are also food content creators. So there's YouTubers and bloggers um, who listen to the show as well. So I guess this question is sort of twofold. One, tell me a little bit about um, what your tips would be for taking really great photos for blogs and, and social media of food. Yeah, uh, I guess my first do is a don't, which is using flash. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of photos on social media where someone's like at a cool restaurant and it's like sunset and it's dark in the room and they take a photo and then it's like a, it, they use their flash and it just ruins the entire mood of the piece. Uh, so the positive way of, of saying that is make sure you've got enough light around your, your centerpiece, your food to make it look good. So if you're, so I guess if you're a blogger and you're taking, you're a foodie and you're taking photos at a restaurant, that would be my, uh, that would be my ask is to please don't use flash. Flash just rarely makes things look good. On the flip side of that, if you go outside, uh, you might have better results. And this goes with your regular DSLR or your phone. Um, and composition, you know, if, if, Sometimes things look better in person than they actually do in a photo. Has it ever happened to you? True, yes. Especially <laughs> sometimes you take a picture of something and it just looks like a blob, but you're like, yes. no, in person it looked really good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that happens to me, right? I've done my makeup and I think, well, it's really great. And I take a photo and I'm like, wait, that's not, no, no, no. Um, so it's the same idea. Sometimes something that looks good uh, on a plate in front of you is not photo worthy. And I would say if that happens, just abandon ship. This is not the photo to take today at this moment. Um, it's all about the light. It's all about the ambiance. It's all about how things are positioned on your plate. I spend a lot of time doing food photography and food styling, and there are people far better than me, but I've learned from them. And uh, I know that those are sort of the basics, food composition on your plate, lighting, and the setup overall. 
My next, I guess the second part of this question is, um, you know, you have a lot of experience on camera. You show up not only in your YouTube videos and your social media, you actually have a show as well. What tips would you give to anyone who wants to show up more, whether that be just like on Instagram stories or they're thinking about a YouTube channel, but is a bit more on the camera shy side? What tips would you have for them? Camera shy side. So you're asking me that if, if someone's shy, but they want, they, so you're an introvert wanting to be an ex extrovert. <laughs> Is that the yeah, idea? Definitely. I think in the food space and, and in yeah. social media, so much to growing the platforms now is actually showing up and showing your face and talking and interacting with your audience. So what would you say to anyone who that's not their natural personality and needs a mm -hmm. little bit of encouragement to get started? Yeah. So if you're, if you're, if you have a, if you're a little bit shy on camera, what I would recommend is that you always have a sidekick and that is someone who's sitting in your audience. I don't know if it's your kid or your husband or your a significant other who is uh, sort of in your space. And that is the person that you're connecting with on camera. So you're making, you know, you're making fish on papillote with uh, your husband and you are, or your, your wife and you are the primary person on camera, but You've got someone to bounce some ideas off to make you feel comfortable uh, and to give you a, 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 a little bit of security. I think that's great. I love that. I never thought about that before. I think that's great advice. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it, that, that's you know, if, if you're around someone who's, and it doesn't have to be your spouse or kid or whatever, somebody who's supporting you, it could be a partner, it could be a business partner. But if you've got your camera set up and you're deciding to make a fish dish or a dish, uh, and you've got someone else sort of uh, in the space with you, you feel like, you know, you're in the bunker together and you're in this together. So it feels less lonely. And you're, you'll, in, that person will help bring out characteristics, characteristics of your personality that um, will resonate with the audience. People standing in, you know, the stand and stir shows uh, from the old school days where you just stand there and you talk about things. And I, I still do those. Uh, but you've got to figure out how to make those interesting. And you can do that in various ways. Personality, wardrobe, backdrop, backstory, you know, all of these kinds of things. But you just kind of kind of figure out your your comfort, your comfort level. Yeah. And do you think even for, you know, I, I keep going back to social media since it plays mm -hmm. such a big role in our everyday lives, especially when we are discovering content that we love around food and food brands, you know, food brands become their own kind of content platforms as well. Do you think it is beneficial when it comes to building your audience to be showing up on camera? Do you think it's necessary? Do you think that, you know, it's something people could avoid or do you think it really helps make a connection between your brand and your platform with your audience? Oh boy, it is 100% necessary. And aside from stuff that I do on YouTube, which, and I haven't, I do YouTube things uh, not as often as, as I probably should. I do a lot of Instagram. That's my primary platform. And I know that I get more engagement when I show up than when I'm just putting out food pictures. Yeah. And I hear that from my audience a lot, like, oh my God, it's great to see you. And you're, you're a real person. It's, it's not just uh the show and the book it's you and your kitchen and you know and and it's fun once you once you get into it but as a as a content creator I think you just have to allow yourself to be vulnerable in your space 
and you have to find a space within your house or wherever it is that you're creating content that feels good for you and comfortable for you and just get in there and, 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 and play. I mean, I would even encourage people if they're just getting started being on video and, and, and starting to do content, record a couple of episodes that you don't broadcast and then watch them and give yourself a, a critique. Like, hey, you know what? I've got a bunch of crap in the back of my kitchen that needs to be cleaned up just to make the space look uh, cleaner or more interesting. You know, those kinds of things, right? So yeah. play with your camera, play with uh, yourself um, with visually on camera and, and see what makes you feel the most comfortable. Yeah, definitely. And I think right now we're at a point which I think is a good thing that people are craving more authenticity, especially with things that are more spur of the moment, like uh, stories. So I think, you know, people give us a little bit of grace if, you know, you just come on and are a little bit more candid. I think sometimes people like that. Not all the time, but I think it shows a more real side to everyone and that might be beneficial too. I 100% agree. And I didn't, didn't want to give the impression that you should create a, a, a false environment. But I think, no, not at all. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people are afraid of being exposed. And so yeah. you, if you feel afraid of being exposed, then what you have to do is try and, and manage your environment as such so that you can feel confident about, you know, how you're presenting yourself and, and your space. Well, I'd love to talk more about you and, and your journey before you built this platform. I think for so many of us who end up having a passion for food and your passion definitely comes through your conversation and all your content. I think for so many of us, our love develops with our families and growing up. Was that the case for you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I grew up in California, Northern California, then Central California, then moved to Southern California. And my grandparents owned a farm. And I learned, you know, early on how to skin a catfish and what it took to, you know, snap beans and grow vegetables and all of those kinds of things. And we do that to this day. My, my parents have a small organic farm in Fresno in Central California. They grow avocados and and kale and collard greens and all of these wonderful things. My sister grows, uh, my sisters, I have three sisters. I'm the third of four girls. Wow. Yeah, and they're, you know, uh, my oldest, you know, we, we just all, we all have our thing. My oldest sister is a baker. My other two sisters are bakers, but also organic farmers. They do, you know, habaneros. They, they, they do all of my, most of my pickled stuff. They do my pickled habaneros and, um, Fresno chilies and serranos and those sorts of things. And, and I, I post about my sisters all the time. I just did a really fun post uh, about this really fantastic batch of Meyer lemons that my sister gave me. And I made uh, Moroccan preserved lemons from those. But yeah, I grew up, um, you know, the, the term foodie is, you know, oftentimes overused, but that's, that's how I grew up eating fresh food and, and surrounded by food. And that's actually how we show love. And there must be some fantastic food at your family gatherings once those start again. <laughs> on All the time. We have legendary family events and there are a bunch of us. My sisters all have between three to uh, two to three children each. And my nieces are starting to have children. So I've got a, I've got a big family. We get together. There are like 20 of us. Um, Love it. It's fun. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 
this has been super fun getting to know you and more about your platform. Before we wrap up, I typically do some fun off-topic questions with all my guests. So if you are up for that, I would love yeah. to those. Awesome. Okay, so number one, what is the last movie or TV show that you watched? Okay, last TV show that I watched, uh, I'm just getting into it. It's called The Girls from Ipanema. It's on Netflix, I think, or Amazon video. Oh. But it's The Girls from Ipanema. It's a show. It's a show based in Brazil about these really fantastic women uh, who are starting a Bossa Nova club on their Ooh, own. That sounds mm -hmm. cool. It's super cool. Number two, and this might be a tough one. It usually is for most guests. If you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Three foods for the rest of my life. This sounds like that whole desert island scenario. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would say uh, three foods. So I would say local seasonal seafood. That's one. So something that's local and seasonal, and that's likely going to be something like oysters for me. That I, I could eat oysters probably every day of my life in some form or fashion. Uh, number two, probably liche fruit. Okay. Uh, liche is like one of my ultimately favorite, favorite things. The other thing would just be black beans for sure. hundred percent. Love it. Number three, what is your favorite place that you have traveled to? Um, let's see. It's the favorite place I've traveled to in the last couple of years has been Portugal. Uh, traveled there to do a, an episode of my show. Traveled there with my husband. We had an excellent time. The gastronomy scene there is fantastic. The people there are great. And it's a wonderful uh, combination of sort of Europe north africa and like the mediterranean uh in in one place it was it was uh phenomenal and i look forward to, to going back there fantastic and i've been hearing more um, i had a couple of friends last year uh travel to portugal two different friends that don't know each other and i've been hearing a lot more about portugal so it seems like it's having a moment i'm interested and it's definitely on my list Oh, should be on 100% on your list. Lisbon, and then you rent a car, and you drive down to the Algarve, and then you just stay there for a couple. It's just, like, hit me up if you, when you go, and I'll help you out. <laughs> I think whenever I get back to Europe, that'll be, that'll be the, the place that we go. It's awesome. Yeah. Okay, number four, what is one thing most people would never guess about you? Oh, one thing. Oh, um, that I'm a big fan of wrestling and martial arts. Really? That's cool. Yeah, I do boxing. Uh, uh, well, I did a quite active in boxing before this COVID thing happened. Um, but yeah, I've got a coach and we do stuff and uh, I'm really, I'm really big into it. It's, it's, uh, it really makes me feel alive and not the violence part, but the sort of self discovery like this this strength that comes from being able to defend myself and and feel strong and I really I really love that part about it and the other wrestling stuff is just weird stuff from my childhood like Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Reddy Piper and all that stuff <laughs> oh my gosh no I love it I, my brother grew up watching it my my dad and and my brother actually both um did judo uh for a really really long time and I know there's a lot of other benefits you know 
like with mental stamina and, yes. and discipline and all of that. Um, so they, you know, judo was a big part of our family, but so was the wrestling. I think it kind of led him into liking that. So I remember those action figures being around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Where can people go to learn more about you and the Posh Pescatarian and get more info about when your book drops? Hey, if, if you're interested in me, I would say primary platform would be Instagram. That's where I've been spending most of my time. Uh, secondary to that would be my website. And then uh, just float on over to, to Facebook and to YouTube uh, on occasion. YouTube is where I've been posting most of the video recipes from the book. So yes, Instagram would be my first stop if I were you. Awesome. And I can't wait to check out what you think about the alligator. <laughs> I'm so excited. You have no idea. I am bursting at the seams. 